Hello, everyone. It's September 27th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. We have such important passages to read today that we are going to get started on our daily excursion right away. My name is David McAdam, and today we will be reading a prophecy of Isaiah about the suffering servant who becomes the sin-bearing substitute, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, one of the most profound references to the person and work of Christ providing atonement for our sins on the cross. The love that motivated his self-sacrifice for us is something that we are called to walk in. We are to continue in Calvary's love. In the New Testament book of Ephesians, we learn that it is to permeate all our relationships, and especially in the way husbands are to love their wives. So let's begin with Isaiah chapter 51, and we will read through to the end of Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 51, the Lord's comfort to Zion. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion, he comforts all her waste places, and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear not the reproach of man, nor be dismayed at their revilings. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation to all generations. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake, as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to pass over? And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who is made like grass, and have forgotten the Lord your Maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, and you fear continually all the day because of the wrath of the oppressor when he sets himself to destroy? And where is the wrath of the oppressor? He who is bowed down shall speedily be released. He shall not die and go down to the pit, neither shall his bread be lacking. I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth and covered you in the shadow of my hand, 
establishing the heavens and laying the foundations of the earth, and saying to Zion, You are my people. Wake yourself, wake yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl the cup of staggering. There is none to guide her among all the sons she has borne. There is none to take her by the hand among all the sons she has brought up. These two things have happened to you. Who will console you? Devastation and destruction, famine and sword. Who will comfort you? Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of every street like an antelope in a net. They are full of the wrath of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Therefore hear this, you who are afflicted, who are drunk but not with wine. Thus says the Lord, the Lord, your God, who pleads the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken from your hand the cup of staggering, the bowl of my wrath you shall drink no more, and I will put it into the hand of your tormentors, who have said to you, Bow down, that we may pass over. And you have made your back like the ground, and like the street for them to pass over. Chapter 52 The Lord's Coming Salvation Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord, You were sold for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, My people went down at the first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them for nothing. Now therefore what have I here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people are taken away for nothing? Their rulers wail, declares the Lord, and continually all the day my name is despised. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore in that day they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people, he has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her, purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Chapter 53 Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. 
He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament portion today from the prophet Isaiah. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon these very important prophetic chapters. You will see a pattern in today's reading from Isaiah. There are three calls to his faithful remnant to listen. In Isaiah chapter 51 verses 1, 4, and 7. And three calls to awaken. In Isaiah chapter 51 verse 9, 17, and chapter 52, verse 1. The Lord calls us to hear His word, to give our attention to what He has said and is saying. But hearing is not enough. We must awaken. God's word is not meant to comfort alone. It is not meant to make us passive. It is meant to make us active with fresh obedience and praise. First, there is a call to those who seek the Lord to listen and look to God who has called us by His grace, in Isaiah 51, verses 1-3. It is the rock of God's self-revelation that constituted the nation of Israel as His covenant partner. God initiated this relationship, in which He has purposed to make Himself known. We who believe have become part of this redemptive story. We are cut from the same cloth. We are quarried from the same rock as Abraham, who has become a model of a believer receiving the promise of God's grace. Sarah is a model of a believer receiving the power of God's grace. Her womb was dead, yet God caused her to conceive the promise. Grace is God's unmerited favor, accomplishing for us and in us what we could not possibly accomplish ourselves. God blessed Abraham and Sarah with the promised seed who would reverse the curse, make the wilderness of this fallen world into a new creation, with a new heaven and a new earth, a new Eden, a new paradise, all to the praise of God's glory. Secondly, we listen and learn that the heavens and the earth are temporal in Isaiah 51 verses 4 through 6. 
the heavens will vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out as an old garment but the word of the lord and his salvation will endure forever god's righteous purpose will not be thwarted or his righteous character dismayed thirdly we listen to be reminded that history is on the side of those who remain steadfast in the hope of salvation do not fear the reproach of men or their reviling the faithful will outlive their critics because god's gift of righteousness and salvation is forever isaiah chapter 51 verses 7 through 8 this is followed by the prophet's call to awaken the arm of the lord god heard the people's prayers for deliverance in times past they were delivered from egypt called rahab here at the first passover in isaiah chapter 51 verses 9 through 10 god did it by his mighty arm he rolled back the waters of the sea therefore we can trust that he who brought his people out of their bondage in the past will lead them into their freedom and inheritance in the future isaiah chapter 51 verse 11 so the ransomed of the lord will return and come with joyful shouting to zion and everlasting joy will be on their heads they will obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away in light of the finished work of redemption accomplished by the arm of the lord that is the lord jesus christ we might ask where is the wrath of the oppressor god vanquishes him what then shall we say to these things if god is for us who is against us he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all how will he not also with him freely give us all things who will bring a charge against god's elect god is the one who justifies romans chapter 8 verses 31 through 33 in isaiah chapter 51 verses 12 and 15 the lord makes it clear to his people in distress that it is he their creator and redeemer who is also their deliverer god continues to comfort his people despite their unfaithfulness in isaiah 51 verses 12 through 16 he continues to show them favor by giving them his word on the lips of his prophets and protecting them from ultimate disaster the second call to awaken in chapter 51 verses 17 through 23 is to the ruined city of jerusalem she has drunk from the cup of the lord's anger the prophet calls them to repentance and restoration her sons cannot save her all other remedies have failed with repentance their chastisement will come to an end and he will turn the table on their oppressors the lord will take the cup of judgment from them and give it to their enemies the third call to awaken in isaiah chapter 52 verse 1 gives us a picture of a restored israel in the future he will make zion a holy city set apart and free it is a call to wake up and dress up the prophecy will be fulfilled in a greater way when messiah comes awake awake clothe yourself in your strength o zion clothe yourself in your beautiful garments o jerusalem the holy city for the uncircumcised and the unclean will no longer come into you isaiah chapter 52 verse 1 the people of god are redeemed and should flee babylon she had been sold into captivity because of her sins but she has been redeemed god did not have to pay anything to babylon for her release he pledges to bring them back and they will have to pay nothing isaiah 52 verse 3 the lord recounts the captivities of his people first in egypt then the north taken by the assyrians in chapter 52 verse 4 then the south would be taken by the babylonians and mocked in chapter 54 verse 5 
The return to Jerusalem from Babylon brings great joy in 536 B.C., but it cannot compare to the joy when Israel's Messiah comes to reign. His kingdom will be one of peace. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, Your God reigns. Isaiah 52, verse 7. In verse 11, the prophet calls the remnant to leave Babylon as soon as they are given the opportunity. Isaiah chapter 52, verses 11 and 12. Verse 13 introduces the fourth servant song, and it stands as the Mount Everest of the Old Testament prophecy. Isaiah 52, verse 12 through Isaiah 53, verse 12, portraying the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Warren Wearsby, in his Bible exposition commentary on the prophets, answers the question, Who does Isaiah 53 refer to? The Messianic interpretation of Isaiah 53 was held by Jewish rabbis till the 12th century. After that, Jewish scholars started interpreting the passage as a description of the sufferings of the nation of Israel. But how could Israel die for the sins of Israel, in verse 8? And who declared that Israel was innocent of sin and therefore had suffered unjustly, in verse 9? No, the prophet wrote about an innocent individual, not a guilty nation. He made it crystal clear that this individual died for the sins of the guilty so that the guilty might go free. The servant that Isaiah describes is the Messiah, and the New Testament affirms that this servant Messiah is Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, Mark chapter 15, verse 28, Luke chapter 22, verse 37, John chapter 12, verse 38, Acts chapter 8, verses 27 through 40, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. The fourth servant's song is constructed in five stanzas, each containing three verses. The first stanza concerns his impact at large as the shocking servant. In Isaiah chapter 52, verses 13 to 15, he comments on the shocking impact of his ascension in verse 13 of chapter 52 and Ephesians chapter 1 verses 20 through 23, his outward appearance in Isaiah 52 verse 14, and his atoning work for people of every tribe and tongue in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 15 and 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. The second stanza focuses on the Messiah as the suffering servant as a man of sorrows, in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 3. Isaiah 53 is referenced in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament chapter with over 41 citations. It is the arm of the Lord, that is Jesus, who provides salvation to those who believe, in Isaiah 53, verse 1. Jesus did not come as a mighty tree, but as a tender shoot. He did not arrive with pomp, but was born in poverty. In a world that idolizes outward beauty, Jesus succeeded without it. People were ashamed of him, looking the other way when he passed by, because he contradicted their worldly values of material wealth, human wisdom, social prestige, lording over others, etc. The third stanza has to do with the Messiah as the smitten servant. This stanza strikes the heart of the gospel and is inferred in Paul's New Testament writings in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 reads, 
and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, For God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He died not because of anything he had done, he was without sin, but because he chose to identify with us and be wounded for our, not his, transgressions. In chapter 53, verse 5. Jesus bore our sins on the cross as well as its consequences. Among the consequences of our sin is the residue of the fall, our sin nature, sickness, and death. Jesus died to ultimately release us from these consequences and will do so in full when he returns. The truth regarding our sin nature and Jesus' work as our sin-bearing substitute is powerfully expressed in verse 6. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. The fourth stanza describes the Messiah as the silent servant. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 through 9, the servant is not permitted to talk back. On the day of Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus was silent before his accusers, Caiaphas in Matthew chapter 26, verses 62 through 63, the chief priests and elders in Matthew chapter 27, verse 12, Pontius Pilate in chapter 27, verse 14, and John chapter 19, verse 9, and Herod Antipas in Luke chapter 23, verse 9. Isaiah 53, verse 9, prophesies his burial and his sinlessness. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. The final stanza explains the work on the cross from God's point of view. The atoning sacrifice of the Son is vindicated by the Father in the resurrection. The Messiah is the satisfied servant in Isaiah chapter 53 verses 10 through 12. His death was not an accident. It was an accomplishment. Jesus died to make full atonement for our sins as our substitute. He does not remain dead. His days are prolonged in resurrection power and glory. Because of his righteous life and death, he is raised from the dead. He sees the offspring of his suffering, bringing many sons into glory. In Isaiah 53 verse 10 and Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. He bore this testimony on our behalf, saying, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. In John chapter 8, verse 29, his righteous living and dying justifies those who believe. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will lot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Isaiah 53, verses 11 and 12. Now let's move on to today's reading from the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 33. Walk in love. Chapter 5. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament portion, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We are children of our Heavenly Father, born of His Spirit, and made alive through faith in Christ. Jesus said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. We are to look to Jesus and trust that the Holy Spirit will imprint His characteristics upon our souls so we can resemble our Father. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul is not asking people to try to be like Christ through carnal imitation. He is calling people to trust Christ and become like Christ through the Spirit's power for transformation in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 and Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 30. Paul continues to describe the outliving of the indwelling Christ as a walk. 
We are to walk worthily and walk in love in chapter 4, verse 1 and chapter 5, verse 2 of Ephesians. This new life is to be lived out in the context of our relationships. God is love in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. And therefore, as children bearing our Father's likeness, we are to walk in love in Ephesians 5, verse 2 taking our cues from the selfless concern of Christ who offered up his life on the altar of the cross for the benefit of others. God is light in 1 John 1 verse 5. Therefore we are to walk in purity as children of light in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 3 through 14. Light is undefiled and pure. God is truth in 1 John chapter 5 verse 6. Therefore we are to walk in wisdom as those born of the truth in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, and chapter 1, verse 13. We must not be deceived by those who say they are of the light, but walk in darkness. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man, who is an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. Each day we try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, and shun what is not. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10. Light exposes the hidden works of darkness. Walking in the light involves taking responsibility to not participate in unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them without being defiled in the process. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. As children of the truth, we are to walk in wisdom, redeem the time, understand what God's will is, and do it. Our primary responsibility is to abide in Christ, that is, to be filled with the Spirit, to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. A Spirit-controlled believer will not put self-rights first, but will demonstrate their submission to Christ by honoring and submitting to other portions expressing his life. Verses 18-33 through 33 have to do with our relationships, particularly in the home. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. He gives instructions to wives and husbands. They should love one another and respect one another. But particular emphasis is given to the women to respect their husbands and for husbands to love their wives. Paul emphasized the equal status of all believers, men and women, Jew and Greek, slave and free men, in their salvation standing before God. They are all in Christ Jesus. But God had a purpose in reflecting the mystery of the Trinity as a community of oneness in marriage. Jesus is equal in all attributes of divinity, but he willingly submitted to the Father so that the glory of the Father would be displayed through him. So wives are to submit in such a way to their husbands as to display the reflected glory of the Lord on display in the lives of their husbands. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, or as Colossians 3.18 says, as it is fitting in the Lord. Submitting to another person does not mean that you become a doormat for another to treat abusively. Christ submitted his will to the Father. He subordinated his rights to the Father, although he shared equal status with the Father. He did this for the glory of God and for the good of others. Love motivates us to submit to God's order of male headship in marriage, in the family, and in the church. Paul uses twice as many words telling husbands to love their wives than telling wives to submit to their husbands. How is a husband to love his wife? By sacrificing for her, in verse 25, sanctifying her, in verses 26 and 27, safeguarding her, in verse 28, and satisfying her, in verse 28, nourishing and cherishing her. Then Paul lets us in on a previously undisclosed divine fact. 
marriage was purposed to reveal a pre-existing truth, Christ's love for the church, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32. And now we go to the book of Psalms, continuing our reading from Psalm 69, beginning with verse 19. You know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Let their own table before them become a snare, and when they are at peace, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see, and make their loins tremble continually. Pour out your indignation upon them, and let your burning anger overtake them. May their camp be a desolation. Let no one dwell in their tents, for they persecute him whom you have struck down, and they recount the pain of those you have wounded. Add to them punishment upon punishment. May they have no acquittal from you. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living. Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. But I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build up the cities of Judah, and people shall dwell there and possess it. The offspring of his servants shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall dwell in it. The first part of this psalm could fall under the prayer heading, Save Me, in Psalm 69, verses 1 through 18. The second part could fall under the heading, Judge My Enemies, in verses 19 through 29. The third part is a prayer of praise, Be Glorified, in verses 30 through 36. Verses 19 to 21 reflect the suffering of the Savior. All four Gospels record Jesus offered sour wine and or vinegar when he is hanging on the cross. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Psalm 69, verse 21. Verses 22 through 28 is the imprecatory section of this psalm, when the psalmist calls for just retribution to fall on tormentors and persecutors. Who is pictured as being persecuted? One who is smitten of God and afflicted. We just read that prophetic picture of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, verse 4. For they have persecuted him whom you yourself have smitten, and they tell of the pain of those whom you have wounded. Psalm 69, verse 26. The psalmist describes his personal pain in verse 29. But I am afflicted and in pain. May your salvation, O God, set me securely on high. The final section is a holy resolve to offer to the Lord the sacrifice of praise with songs of thanksgiving and all creation following suit. It closes with a statement of faith about the future. For God will save Zion and build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and possess it. The descendants of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell in it. Psalm 69, verses 35 and 36. And for our final stop on our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verse 7. Wisdom is too high for a fool. In the gate he does not open his mouth. We read in Psalms 14, verse 1, and Psalm 53, verse 1, that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. 
This deliberate rejection of God's self-revelation demonstrates that wisdom is beyond their reach. They are out of their depth when it comes to understanding things that are real and eternal. When important issues are discussed in the community, that is, at the gate, because their understanding is darkened, they have nothing of wisdom to contribute. Let's pray together. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thrice holy and perfect in all your ways. We have seen your sacrificial love on display in our Old and New Testament readings today. Lord Jesus, you are the shocking, sorrowful, smitten, silent, and satisfied servant prophesied in Scripture, who died as our substitute and rose to be our justifier. We thank you for the mystery of the cross. We want to walk worthy of our calling in love, light, wisdom, and truth. Help us to redeem the time. May we put your glory on display in our personal lives as we submit ourselves to the person of the Holy Spirit. And may that glory be reflected in our marriages, our homes, in the workplace, and in our church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've covered a lot of ground in today's readings, and I trust that you were blessed. We will be with you, God willing, tomorrow, and we'll continue to read Isaiah and Ephesians and make our stops in Psalms and Proverbs. If you would like to know more about New Life Community Church and its many resources and ministries, or you would like a written commentary on each day's Bible reading from the One Year Bible, you can subscribe to a daily email at our website, newlife.org. And if you do have any questions or comments you'd like to contact us, you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, keep on being filled with the Spirit and speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Shalom.